right, all right. Decisions. That's what we got to do all the time. Here, there, everywhere. We got to make decisions. We just got to make the right decisions, all right? And you being here today is a right decision. Today we're going to we're going to be having an interview with Carl Dix, and we're going to be talking about Bob Avakian, the chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party. This is going to be a really important and a really really it's going to be something that's really going to bust your mind open, all right? Even if you know some stuff that you've been talking about that we've been talking about over the last who knows how many years, but it's really bringing a a a, a living a living example of what we need to do, okay? And there's no getting around it. Today, we are living in the midst of a growing fascist threat. All right? There's no denying this. We can see it in places all over the country, and we need to dig into it so that we can have the tools that are needed to defeat it. Now, our guest today is Carl Dix. He's a well-known revolutionary and a frequent guest on the show and a full-on advocate for the all-out revolutionary work of Bob Avakian, the chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party and the foremost revolutionary in the world today. All right? And we will be talking with Carl about Bob Avakian and the work he's done and continues to do, focusing in on the fight for the liberation of black people and the emancipation of all humanity. Carl, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on again, Michael. Yeah, yeah, it's great to talk with you, man. Because I have a lot I want to ask you, I'm going to just jump right into this. You know, as you heard what I was saying in the beginning, this thing has become even more, what we're talking about here today has become even more um, important, more demanding, more you know, the necessity of people understanding what we're talking here when we're talking about Bob Avakian, the work that he's done, what he's bringing, bringing into the world. This is something that people have got to, you know, at the very least, check it out, read what's going on, listen to it, and make your decision then about what you're, what you're going to be doing. But we will also leave yourself open to understanding what, what it is and why it's so damn important. So, Carl, you're an, you're an advocate of the work of Bob Avakian, and you're an ardent supporter and, you've had, and you have helped spread Avakian's work in many ways, including popularizing his most recent work, Bob Avakian for the Liberation of Black People and the Emancipation of All Humanity. Let's talk about that title and what it means. Well, what that title means is that Bob Avakian is the leader that people who want to get free need to engage, they need to dig into his work, they need to learn about him, find out the kind of person he is, and they need to become followers of him. They need to get with his leadership, because it's the leadership that can get us out of the mess that we're in, and end all the horrors that people in this country and around the world face. And the only way that's really possible, and that's through an all-the-way real revolution to get rid of this system and bring a totally different and far better society and system into being a socialist system that's on the road to the full ending of oppression and exploitation once and for all in a classless communist world. And what I've been saying to people is if you really want to get free, you've got to be serious enough about it to get scientific and dig into the work of Bob Avakian. Mm -hmm. Look at what he has to say on these things. And uh, I guess I just spoke about a week and a half on this article, Bob Avakian for the Liberation of Black People and the Emancipation of All of Humanity. And we went at it with the title of 
why I follow Bob Avakian, an old white guy and the most radical revolutionary on the planet, and why you should too. We had that title because we wanted to get right into the teeth of the controversy that exists over this. You know, in particular, we wanted to challenge black people who hate the savagery that this system has brought down on black people from the very beginning and continues to bring down today to get scientific about what kind, what's needed to end that savage oppression and what kind of leadership is needed to do that. And we want to challenge everybody with that. So that's how we got into it and how we got off on it. And look, we need a revolution. If you want to see the horrors that black people suffer seemingly unending actually be ended, then you got to get with this revolutionary communist leader. There's never been a leader like him in this country, and he's the foremost political leader and thinker in the world today. And then we got into that in the talk that I gave. And, and that's what we need to do, because people do really have to get serious and scientific about it. You know, a lot of people followed Obama when he came forward as a candidate of one of the two mainstream parties in this country and thought that a lot was being accomplished when he got voted into office. But all that really came down to was having a black guy represent the empire that's responsible for not only the oppression of black people, the oppression of women, the wars for empire, and all the horrors the system brings down. And he was put on top of that in order to defuse all of the opposition to this system. And it sucked a lot of people in. And people got to get serious. They got to get scientific, like I said. What's it going to take? Mm -hmm. Is getting further into this system going to do anything to end the oppression of black people? Or do we need to get rid of this system? Are the revolutionaries right when they say that this oppression is built into the fabric and framework of this system? And there's no way to end it short of revolution? And what about this guy, Avakian? What is it about him that makes it possible for him to be the leader that could do this? Let's get into that, man. Let's get into that question, because that's, one, that's something that people have a lot of you know, basically the concern about, they want to, you know, somebody to say, well, why him? Why is he the leader? Who, what made him, who made him leader and why? And then this thing, this point about, you know, B.A., if you're going to look at what B.A. does, what he's done, and why he is, in fact, leading in this, there's this profound, one, one of the things, not this is not the whole thing by any means, but the, one of the things is he, more than anyone else I've ever, ever, ever looked into, has a profound hatred for the oppression of black people, and he stood up unsparingly he stood up and, un, and not not worried about what was going to happen to him but he stood up to fight what the oppression of black people and to take it on and to actually mobilize other people to take it on to not allow this kind of fascistic you know fascistic treatment of black people to continue to exist like this without people actually standing up and fighting against it let's talk about that a little okay well let's start with the thing of why is uh, Bob Abakian a leader and the case for that is made in the work that he's done. 
because you're not going to find anybody else with a lifetime, decades of work on what's the source of the oppression of black people. Where does it come from? Why has it continued from the very beginning? And what will it take to end it once and for all? And how does that relate to making a revolution that can emancipate all of humanity? Because a question that came up in our discussion in that program that I did was, how can black people trust that a Vakian will fight in their interests? And the point is that that comes down to what's the relationship between ending the oppression of black people and making a revolution that can emancipate all of humanity and that they are tied in a thousand and one ways because the source of the oppression of black people isn't just that a lot of white people hate black people, although <laughs> you're in America, a lot of them do. And there are a lot of indications of that, including the tens of millions of people who voted for that white supremacist fascist former president in 2020. So it's not like there aren't a lot of white people who hate black people. But the point is, there is a system that was founded from the very beginning on the oppression of black people that whose wealth and power was built up on that and continues to rise on that basis. And they can't separate that from the actual system and the way that it works. If you want to get rid of the white supremacy that black people face, you got to get rid of the capitalist imperialist system that spawned that white supremacy and continues to grow fat off of it. You need a revolution. And that's something that Bob Avakian has gone to work on and worked on for his whole life. And he talks about it, he, and it get, it's gotten into in that piece that you mentioned, Bob Avakian for the Liberation of Black People and the Emancipation of All of Humanity, talking about how, as a teenager, he met up through school and in other ways, sports, people that he hadn't had life experience with growing up in California, black people. And they introduced him to a whole way of going through the world, art, culture, but just the whole way of going through the world. And he learned that these people were suffering terribly because they were black. And he felt like, these are my people. Not that he thought he was black, but that as a human being, he had to view them as part of the humanity that he was a part of, and that if they were suffering, then he had to do something about it. And he never felt like, well, because I'm white, that's not my struggle. That's somebody else's. And not from a thing of, either from a thing of, that's somebody else's problem, it don't have nothing to do with me, or from a thing of, since it's happening to black people, they are the only ones who can have agency around it. They're the only ones who can act on it. And all I could do is cheer them on from the sidelines. No, he was like, this is a problem that everybody who hates injustice faces, and we all need to throw in on it. And he not only got involved, but he dug deeply into it to learn where it came from, what needed to be done. 
to deal with it. And in, in approaching that, he was inspired by people like Malcolm X, people like the leaders of the Black Panther Party. And at the same time, he dug deeply into where does this come from and what do we need to do to end it. And on that basis, he solved problems that those earlier leaders were unable to solve. You know, because look, Malcolm X was the most radical and revolutionary figure of his time, especially after he broke with the Nation of Islam. But Malcolm never had a chance to go into and grapple very deeply with the source of the oppression of black people and the need for revolution to end it. Because he was assassinated shortly after he got off on his independent path. The Black Panthers went deep, more deeply into it and did come forward with, we need to make a revolution right in the belly of the beast. They promoted Mao Zedong's Little Red Book and brought the idea of making revolution in the belly of the beast and even pointed towards the leadership that was needed for it. But they came under fierce repression right after they got started. And they also weren't able to solve some of the questions of the revolution. Who are the forces that need to be rallied to make this revolution? What's the strategy for carrying it out? And what's the vision of the future society and world that it could bring into being? Well, Avakian threw himself into all of those, even as at the same time he was practically involved in the struggle against the horrors the system brings down, from the free speech movement, through building support for the Black Panther Party when it was under assault, the Free Huey campaign, all the way up to today. The fight against mass incarceration, the fight to stop police terror. And see, a lot of people look at me and say, well, Carl, you're the one who started the October 22nd coalition to stop police brutality. You and Cornell West are the ones who started the Stop Mass Incarceration Network. Well, okay, I was the guy at the meetings that we founded these things. But the thinking behind that, and even the proposals for that, actually came from Bob Avakian. He saw the need to build up the fight against these horrific attacks on black people. He saw that these were mass incarceration and police terror were the spearhead of an overall assault on black people that has genocidal proportions, and that we needed to fight it and do that as part of getting ready and in position to make revolution, to end the system that's responsible for this from the very beginning. And people need to know about that. They need to know about this leader. They need to dig into his work. And like I said, I keep going back to this, and it may sound repetitive, but it is really what people need to do. They need to be serious enough about ending this oppression, to get scientific about it and to engage this leader, and on the basis of doing that, come to some scientific conclusions about what we need to do to stop this. Is it really going to get, get into the heart of this to talk about abolishing the police and abolishing the prisons? Because that poses a big question. Who's going to abolish the police? Who's going to abolish the prisons? Especially given that those repressive institutions exist and function the way that they do, including disproportionately targeting black and brown people, because that's what the capitalist imperialist system needs them to do. And that poses 
why are you keeping yourself at a level of dealing with the symptoms but not going to the heart of the problem, the system that created and maintains maintains and directs those institutions. It's kind of like you're back in the days of slavery and somebody says, we got to do something about this. Let's abolish the slave catchers. Okay, well, the slave catchers played a very negative reactionary role, but why talk about abolishing the slave catchers and leaving the system of slavery in effect? What you had to actually be talking about was let's end this slave system once and for all, and then there would be no slave catchers because the system that created them and required them would no longer be there. And it's the same thing today. we got to get rid of the system. We need a revolution. And Bob Avakian is the leader who can lead that. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me re- remind people that you're listening to The Michael Slate Show, and we're talking today with Carl Dix, and, we're, and Carl's from the Revolutionary Communist Party, and we're talking about Bob Avakian and the leader of the, of the revolution, basically. I'll tell, let's just put that straight out. He's the leader of the Revolutionary Communist Party. He's the re- leader of the revolution that's neat, that we need to have, okay? Carl, let me ask you this, man, because there's a couple things that come out here, and when you're talking about all these things, and as I was going through, you know, just trying to figure out, okay, what can we talk about today? And I, I just found so much that needed to be spoken to and so much that we needed to actually, you know, um, deal with. And I think this thing, one, you're, you're talking about uh, BA's relationship with black people from civil rights to the um, black liberation movement, including close ties to the Panthers. You're talking about um, basically the civil rights movement and, and the militant uh, black liberation movement, where he's, uh, you know, the, whatever involvement was actually flown out in there and how he dealt with that. You know, you think about all this, BA move to revolution was necessary off of all that and possible, but needed a whole new way of making revolution in the U.S. And that was something that I think was, I think it's been really, it's been extremely important for him to have done that. But it's also, it's something that people, I think you get really sort of released from all the chains and all the nonsense that hangs around you when you dig into what Avakian has been saying about what's needed and how are we going to bring it. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean... That's where people got to get to. They have to actually confront that these horrors that many, many people have been moved to act around, including just looking at the last year, the millions of people who took to the streets after the murder of George Floyd, who were demanding an end to white supremacy. The women, not only in this country, but around the world, who acted in many different ways targeting the oppression that comes down on women. And and looking at right now, we're in a scene where these fascists are laying out front that they want to take away a woman's right to choose to have an abortion. That's like right out there on the table. The destruction of the environment, all this is right up against us. And we have to confront, how do we stop this? How do we deal with this? And can it be dealt with in the framework of the system? And no, it cannot. We need a revolution, and we have leadership for that revolution. And people have to, again, get scientific, engage the work of this leader, and get with this leader, because that's the only way we're going to stop this. And there are a couple of things, that, and this is urgent right now, because you made the point about the way the fascists are aggressively moving and it's tearing the country apart. Well, Avakian has come out with a statement 
is titled, This is a Rare Time When Revolution Becomes Possible. Why that is so and how to seize on this rare opportunity. Because you can't always make a revolution in a country like this, powerful imperialist country. You have to need, need some conditions to come together. The rulers have to be in a position where they can't rule in the way they had before. And the people have to be in a condition, in situation, where they're no longer willing to accept being ruled over in the old way. And millions of people have to be determined to do something about the intensifying horrors. And then you need a revolutionary vanguard with deep roots among the people to lead this. Well, those conditions don't exist right now. But the fight at the top of this system is something that could bring those conditions into being. And we need to be looking at that and seizing on that and getting in position to seize on that opportunity right now. There's a lot to get into on that, and there's a way to do it. Because uh, Andy Z, the host of the Revolution Nothing Less show, actually had a talk that he did at Revolution Books in New York, reflections on this article. And people can check out the video of that talk because it was aired last night, premiered on the Revolution Nothing Less show. So they could go to the YouTube show of At the RevCons and check out the latest episode of the Revolution Nothing Less show. Andy gets very deeply into that. And people really need to check that out. And while they're at that YouTube show, this article, Bob Avakian for the Liberation of Black People and the Emancipation of All Humanity, there is a video version of that where the article is read with a video background for it. And you get to hear some of what Avakian has said about his work and about himself and why he was doing that work. And people really need to check that out because this is a time when too much is at stake to be messing around or playing around. And to draw from a vacant statement, this is a rare time when revolution becomes possible. Instead of staying in your own lane or going for yourself, people need to step back, look at the possibility of a whole new world and then act to bring that into being mm -hmm. or instead of fighting and killing each other, which too many of our youth are doing now, people need to unite, defend each other and do that as part of getting ready in a position to make revolution, to get rid of the system that has brought on the conditions that have our youth fighting each other. Mm -hmm. Carl, let me One ask more thing I want to bring in. Go ahead. I want to talk about the kind of person Avakian is. Exactly. Yeah. Because that has something to do with the work that he's done. And he's somebody who has a kind of honesty that has him looking for the truth. What's the real, what's really happening? And not stopping short on that or going at it in a way, well, let's just bring out that part that makes us look good. He wants to get at the truth exactly the way it is, because it's through understanding that, that we can change it. And then he wants to spread that truth to others, whether they're ready to hear it or not. 
because that's what people need to know. They need to know what's really going on if they're going to act to do anything about it. And he has a faith that people can grasp that truth. You know, and, and we know and he knows that this system has worked to keep a lot of people away from access to learning, scientific knowledge, and other things. But we think we can break through that. We can bring out the basic truth to people and persevere with them and struggle with them to get them to take that truth up and to begin to act on it. And that's the kind of person that he is. And he's a guy who not only can lead, but can learn while he leads. Because I remember when I first met him, it was actually an interesting situation because I was in a rival group that had bitter differences with him in the 1970s, including over things like, could a white person lead the revolutionary movement? We met one night and we began to argue probably about eight o'clock at night. And we argued for a couple of hours, but he kept pulling for me to look at, well, what is it that we want to do? And I was a revolutionary who had a different view on how revolution could be brought about. I it was marred by a black nationalist perspective. As he kept pointing me to, let's get scientific about this. Where are we trying to go? We're trying to end oppression and exploitation once and for all. And what will that take? And he pointed out to me, what does the criteria of leadership being the race or nationality or skin color of a leader, how is that scientific? And I had to admit it wasn't scientific. And that's one thing that I tell people today. you got to get scientific. You can't tell me your criteria for leadership is their skin has to be black or brown, or they need to be a woman, or they need to be gay or lesbian, or they need to be transgender or whatever. It gets down to what what's their capability and track record as far as providing scientific analysis and assessment of what's the situation we're in. Where does the suppression come from? Their ability to come forward with a strategy to deal with that oppression. Their ability to come forward with a vision of the kind of society and world we need to bring into being through that revolution that the strategy has been developed for. And see, on all of those counts, Avakian has a track record and work that speaks to it. And anybody who's serious about revolution has got to study that track record, has got to dig into that work, and not stay on the surface of, well, he's white, so he can't lead a revolution that I want anything to do with, or he's not a woman, or he is straight, so... I can't get with it because I got to get with somebody who's LGBTQ. And if you take that route, then you start breaking it down to the L, the B, L, the G, the B, the T. And then everybody is in their own lane and nobody is looking for the future that we could bring into being through uniting in the struggle to get rid of the system. Mm -hmm. All right, Carl, we're going to have to wrap this up right now because we've, we're running out of time, but I really appreciate what you brought to this, what you brought into this. It's extremely important that people understand what you're saying, that people grasp what you're saying, and 
you know, look, if you question it, write into us. We'll get and we'll forward it to Carl and we'll t- you can talk about it, everything else. But I think you really have to listen to what Carl has been saying here and what he's been saying about the importance of BA, of Bob Avakian, and his importance to actually being able to, you know, he's the, it's the importance of a leader like Avakian. That's what we've got, we're talking about. And his, his life is dedicated to the emancipation of, of, of people, black people and other people, all the people that are oppressed by this, and including building a world that's very different than what we live in now and one that, that, that humanity needs to get to. So, and with his insistence on telling the truth, I'm going to tell the truth right here right now because we've just run out of time on this. But if you have anything you want to say to round it up, let's do it now. Real and, quick, real yeah, quick. Go ahead. People should go to the website, revcom.us. That's where you can find, this is a rare time when revolution comes possible. Statement from Avakian, the article, Bob Avakian for the Liberation of Black People and the Emancipation of Humanity and his work on the strategy for a revolution and the Constitution for a Future Socialist Republic in North America. All that's there. All right, Carl Dix, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Mike. Yeah, we'll have you on again soon, man. Take care. This is the Michael Slate Show, and we've been talking with Carl Dix, a representative of the Revolutionary Communist Party. And we're talking about the importance of the scientific revolutionary leadership of Bob Avakian, focusing on Bob Avakian for the liberation of black people and the emancipation of all humanity. We're going to take a quick musical break and be right back, so stay tuned. That was Awakenings by Leon Parker. Now, for the rest of the show, I thought I'd play a couple of excerpts from some of the talks given by Bob Avakian, or B.A., so you can see what we're talking about when we say that B.A. is a unique leader. He is someone who leads with a scientific understanding of the world and also someone who is passionate in his hatred of all the suffering and oppression that we see every day. This first clip is, How Long? How Many More Times Do the Tears Have to Flow? And it's taken from the 2012 talk, Bob Avakian Speaks, Revolution, Nothing Less. If I were a preacher looking out at what goes on with the nightmare of oppression and brutality that so many in this world are forced to endure, 
day after day, generation after generation, I would cry out, how long, O Lord? Now, in case there's any confusion, I am not a preacher. And I'll have more to say about the Lord as we go along. But let's look at what this system does to people. Let's start with just one great crime of this system. Police murder after murder after murder of black people and Latinos, especially youth. Check it out. If you go on the internet and you search for police kill unarmed youth, you will scroll down and down and down and down for pages and pages and pages with the same pattern, the same ugly pattern repeating itself. And you will see that not only are these youth unarmed, but once again, overwhelmingly, they are black and Latino. And if you search a little deeper and a little further, you will see that almost never are the police punished or even prosecuted for these grotesque and wanton murders. And you will run into two of the most wounding words in the English language at this point, justifiable homicide, which the family and loved ones of those so wantonly killed are repeatedly slapped in the face with as the verdict on these murders. Let's just take a couple of the latest outrages. Manuel Diaz, murdered by the police in Anaheim, shot in the back and then shot in the back of the head. While the next day in the same city of Anaheim, another Latino youth, Joel Acevedo, was also shot down by the police. And here's an irony that came out in relation to the murder of Manuel Diaz. His mother said at one point Manuel was thinking about joining the army. Think about this. You can be a black or Latino youth out on the streets with no prospects and no future. Only the possibility of getting yourself into trouble running up against other youth just like you and maybe getting into it with them or running up against the police. Or you can join the army of the same system that's put you on the street in that situation to reinforce with brute force the same system that has put you in that situation and to go out into the world and be part of the mindless killing machine doing the same thing to people just like you all around the world. Or what about Oscar Grant, killed a couple of years ago in Northern California by the BART, the Rapid Transit Police. This was also caught on the cell phones of many people. They knocked him to the ground, straddled him while he was face down, and shot him to death. Captured on the cell phones, but it made no difference. Through the lengthy process they always go through, in this case because the people rose up they had to prosecute. But once again, we run into the situation where strangely, in these kind of situations, the prosecutors who vigorously prosecute with full animus when they're going after someone like Oscar Grant, forget how to prosecute when it's the cops on trial. 
And the whole thing is set up so the cop gets off on a light charge, a minor sentence, and is back out. Think of the outrage of this and the insult on top of the outrage to the family and loved ones and to everyone who cares about justice. Or what about Ramarley Graham in New York City? Killed in his own house by the police. He's walking home in his neighborhood. He's a black youth, so the police assume he must be up to no good. He must be selling drugs. He looks furtive. He's making strange motions. What he's doing is taking out his keys and opening the door to his house. He walks into his own house. He's killed in his own house by the police in front of family and loved ones. And in response to this, his mother comes forward and says, this has got to stop. And his father, almost as if in a trance, keeps repeating over and over again, why did they kill my son? Why did they kill my son? Why did they kill my son? And they weren't done yet. The New York cops then came to the courtroom and applauded their fellow pig who murdered Ramarley in cold blood, viciously taunting the family and loved ones of Ramarley and demonstrating yet one more time the ugly truth that in the way this country has been built and for the powers that be in this country, the humanity of black people has never counted for anything. They have never been valued as human beings, but only as things to be exploited, oppressed, and repressed. How many more times does this have to happen? How many more times do the tears and the cries of anguish and anger have to pour forth from the wounded hearts of people. And if this is not enough, this system viciously exploits people twice, abusing and brutalizing them, and then taking the tortured beauty of their cries of agony and outrage and capitalizing on it, declaring it to be a great expression of the marvelous American culture and its diversity. Think about the blues, for example. There's a lot of stuff in blues that's about personal problems and some nonsense, including men wanting to dominate women. But to a large degree, the blues is about the experience and the suffering of black people in America. Notice it's called the blues, not La, 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 we're living the American dream. Or how about jazz? I'm thinking of when I moved to Chicago in the 1970s. Didn't have a car and I had to take a cab. And I got in a cab that was driven by this hip young white guy. I don't mean these kind of phony hipsters they got around now. I mean a real hip young white guy. As we started talking, it turned out that he was a jazz musician or a musician in general and was just driving a cab to try to be able to keep going. He reminded me of a scene I saw in a Richard Pryor concert where he got up and before he came on the stage, Patti LaBelle and her band had performed. 
And Richard Pryor said, did you see that white guy playing the saxophone up there? He was just like this, with every note, he didn't miss a note. He just like, go ahead, brothers, I'm with you. I ain't missing it, go ahead, I'm with you. And that's what this cab driver reminded me of. And after we talked a while, he said to me, are you into jazz? And I said, well, not really that much. I've listened to some jazz, I like it, but I'm more sort of into rhythm and blues. He said, you really got to get into jazz. If you listen seriously to jazz, if you listen to Coltrane, what you hear is all the long years of oppression and suffering of black people coming right out the end of his instrument. So I thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to get into jazz some more. But there was a deep truth there. Yes, there's love, as Coltrane put it, a love supreme. But there was also defiance and anger. Now, how many times does this have to keep going on? Now, once again, I'm not a preacher. And if people crying out, how long, oh Lord, could put things right, there should be no more need for people to keep on crying out in this way. And no more need for them to keep on praying. The Lord should have put things right a long time ago. And if the Lord really existed, we would have to ask, what is the matter with the boy that he let things go so wrong for so long in the first place? Now the truth is, there is no Lord, and we do not need, nor should we want or accept any lords and masters, imaginary ones or real ones, lording it over us. Some say this is all God's will. No, it is not. And it does great injury to those suffering so terribly and so unnecessarily in this world to tell them that this is God's will or attest that this supposed God has set before them to endure horrible oppression in this world with the promise of a better life in some other world, some afterlife which is not real and will never come. But ask yourself this, if there were a God or gods, why would it be the will of that God or gods that for so long, so many people have suffered so terribly with oppression, degradation, and brutality while a much smaller number continue to accumulate wealth and exercise power and live lives of parasitic indulgence on the basis of exploiting and oppressing those masses of people all over the world. Why would that be the will of this God? And then let's go on and ask the next question that suggests itself. Whose interest does it serve for people to believe that all this is God's will? Now, I know there are people who feel inspired and sustained by their religious beliefs in the fight against injustice, including the unjust wars 
repeatedly waged by the American government. Some have spent their lives dedicated to acting on what they identify as prophetic traditions within religion, which they see as calling for standing with and standing up for the poor and oppressed and fighting against injustice. We respect and work to build unity with people holding and acting on those sentiments. In accordance with the communist principles and objectives on which our party is based, we recognize the great importance of reaching out and building unity broadly with people of many diverse viewpoints in the fight against the crimes of this system and the great suffering this causes. And these same principles and objectives also lead us to recognize the importance of boldly and forthrightly putting forward our communist viewpoint and of engaging in serious and principled discussion and yes, struggle with people coming from different worldviews in the spirit of seeking the truth and striving to bring forward and to act in the fullest way in accordance with the fundamental interests of the masses of people. It is in this spirit that I am putting forward the views of our party, straight up and full out. Communists are atheists. We do not believe in any gods or any kind of supernatural forces or beings. There is no evidence for the existence of a god or gods or of any supernatural forces or beings, no evidence which is based in the real world and can be tested in this real world, which is the only existence there is. There is, however, plenty of evidence for the fact that human beings have invented gods and supernatural forces. Now let me say this. I am sick to death of the daily and continual horrors that life under this system means for the great majority of humanity. And I am sick to death of having to say how long, even if not, oh Lord. And while I am a firm scientific atheist and do not believe in any gods, I can say, and I do say, God damn these That was Bob Avakian with How Long? How Many More Times Do the Tears Have to Flow? From the 2012 talk, Bob Avakian Speaks, Revolution, Nothing Less. Now we're going to hear another work from Avakian, and it's called The Destruction of the Planet by Capitalism and Imperialism. This comes at a time when extreme weather events 
which are caused by climate change, have killed hundreds from heat, floods, and wildfires. And this week, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, released the report Climate Change, Widespread, Rapid, and Intensifying. We'll be talking about this with a climate scientist on next week's show. But right now, let's hear from B.A. on the system that is causing all this. This is an excerpt from one of Avakian's work called Why We Need an Actual Revolution and How We Can Really Make Revolution. The destruction of the planet by capitalism imperialism. The very fact that global warming is one of the major reasons why there are today a greater number of refugees, 65 million, than at any time since World War II, is one powerful indicator of the severity of the climate crisis, which is increasing in intensity at an accelerating rate. The scientific evidence is overwhelming. The climate crisis poses a very real and growing threat to human civilization. And human activity, in particular the production and use of oil and other fossil fuels, is a major cause of this intensifying crisis. The accelerated melting of the ice sheets in Antarctica, the destruction of vast expanses of rainforests, the despoiling of other key parts of the Earth, including the oceans, with the terrible consequences for plant and animal species, which are also vital for human existence. All this can only continue and even further accelerate with human society under the domination of the capitalist imperialist system. Despite conferences and agreements which claim to be addressing this crisis, but which are dominated by the countries that are the biggest contributors to this crisis, despite talk and even some steps to develop sources of energy as alternatives to fossil fuels, despite all this, the very nature of the capitalist imperialist system dictates that competing capitalists controlling billions of dollars of investments and the governments of the major world powers in particular are compelled to contend with each other for markets, cheap labor and raw materials, including fossil fuels, and for control of strategic parts of the world. This leads not only to economic and political conflicts, but repeatedly to wars, which themselves have a devastating effect on the environment. And it is worth noting that the US military is the single largest institutional consumer of oil in the world. To make matters even worse, this system has now brought forth a fascist regime to power in the US, which is determined to shatter agreements and roll back regulations that offer even minor, if completely insufficient, protections for the environment, and to unleash forces whose effect on the environment, if persisted in, could actually lead to the destruction of human civilization. Obviously, we have only one Earth as a home for humanity. And this climate crisis can only be fundamentally and ultimately addressed on a world scale. But a first great step or leap 
can be taken by wresting power from the capitalist imperialist system in its most powerful stronghold and making this a source of inspiration and base of support for people around the world in rising up to overthrow and abolish all systems and relations of exploitation, oppression, plunder, and destruction of the environment and of human beings who can only continue to exist and to thrive through a rational and planned interaction with the rest of nature. From all this, it stands out very sharply that we live in a grossly lopsided world, a world where a few dozen billionaires have as much wealth as the poorer half of humanity, and a small number of ruling classes in a small number of countries dominate, oppress, and control the destiny of the masses of humanity with consequences that are already terrible and could before long become catastrophic. And in everything that I've been shining a light on regarding the world we live in under the domination of capitalism imperialism, we are seeing the consequences of a system based on the private appropriation by competing centers of capital of wealth that is socially produced through networks of production involving vast numbers, ultimately billions of people all over the globe, who are forced now to work in, in, in conditions and relations of production that exploit and dehumanize them. It is not simply greed that drives these capitalists to constantly seek ways to more ruthlessly exploit people. It is the fact that if they do not do this, or if some other capitalists do it more successfully, that is, even more ruthlessly, then they will face the prospect of not just falling behind, but actually going under, eaten up by other capitalist sharks. It is the private appropriation of socially produced wealth and the anarchy, the feverish competition and contention that results from this, which ultimately underlies and drives all the horrors that are concentrated in the five stops and the conditions to which the masses of humanity are continually subjected. The solution is to replace this system of private appropriation with a system where the socially produced wealth is also socially appropriated by a government actually representing the masses of people instead of a class of capitalist exploiters. And this wealth is then utilized on the basis of conscious planning in the interests and for the benefit of the people of society and ultimately the whole world. How this can be done is spelled out in the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America. This is the fundamental difference between the society and world we have with the system of capitalism and imperialism that we are forced to live under and the world we could have. The bridge between these two worlds is revolution, a real revolution. Let's be honest, this is a difficult road, but there is no other way to finally put an end to the horrors that are continually brought forth by this system. And as hard as this is, it is possible, 
if we go about it the right way, with the right outlook and approach, the right goals and methods, the right strategy and plan. So this is what I'm going to dig into through the course of this talk. All right, that was Bob Avakian with The Destruction of the Planet by Capitalism Imperialism. And it's taken from his piece, Why We Need an Actual Revolution and How We Can Really Make Revolution. And that brings us to the end of yet another show. I want to thank my assistant producer, Henry Carson, my production assistant, Jeff Pryor, and each and every one of you for tuning in. If you want to share your thoughts and ideas about the show, or if you want to volunteer to be part of the show, write to me at mslate at themichaelslateshow.com. Once again, that's mslate at themichaelslateshow.com. All right, and we're going to go out now with 99 Revolutions by Green Day. Talk to you again next week. Sister.